Welcome to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They're a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower Henny. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about part two of Great Divorce. And on this part, we're going to talk about estate planning. But first, Hola, guten tag, bonjour. We, well, <laughs> did we have any in France? We just found out that we have 12 listeners in Germany, so guten tag. And Australia, hello. <laughs> Is that Australian? Sounds um, like it. There was a couple in Ireland, I don't think there's too. a language Australian. Just no. A, just a heavy accent. Yeah. Australians and English sometimes is a really hard, um, I mean, like the United Kingdom, England, is difficult to tell the difference their yes accents and tasha's with us here again i am hola tasha guten tag <laughs> yes good morning <laughs> bonjour i have no idea that's the one i know so we were just recapping a little bit of our office's trip to vegas and i just want to say that that rupaul drag show was super fun it was excellent i had a great time <laughs> I don't even have enough words, I don't think, to describe the RuPaul drag show. It was so fun. It was, there was like, it was such high energy. It was funny. It was good dancing. You know, like all, it was everything. Yeah, and it was 15 of us, and I was having a really good time checking out everyone's facial expressions in our group because a couple of us watched the show religiously a couple of us have never seen the show or even know what a drag queen is and so bouncing from those people and watching their facial expressions was part of the show for me yeah I I admit I'm one of the people I had never watched the show I was familiar with the show but I had never watched it but I I think RuPaul's just a really cool person so I, I was appreciative of the show for sure I had never watched the show but I had been to some uh drag shows in um in omaha like at i think it was called the max maybe yeah um and super fun Tasha, so. you said the max like that's our one and only gay club basically in in omaha well i'm old now and i don't really go out so it was when i was in college that i went so i was just trying to remember the name of the name of the bar but I went to Drag Queen Bingo at Flix Lounge, which is the lesbian bar, and Drag Queen Bingo, because I love bingo by itself, but then you add drag queens, is super great. You know what the best one to get in Drag Queen Bingo? What? Oh, 69. <laughs> oh. That's how it's announced. There's also the Drag Queen Story Hour, where the drag queens come in, I think they have it at, um, it's down in the old market somewhere, but they have the drag queens read books. It's at a bookstore. Oh, yes, to children. And then they have drag queen brunch. We are is another thing that's happening. Exposing our children to drag queens. It's so awful. <laughs> okay, there was sarcasm there's there. always, You should all read into apparently that. Apparently there's always protesters. Yes. So stupid. Heaven forbid our children get literacy from someone other than, you know, their mom or their dad or the teacher. Or literacy in general. Yeah, bad. Speaking of, yes. So what was your favorite part about Vegas, Tasha? 
I had a blast on the... So in order to get to the drag show, we had a party bus. And <laughs> we did a lot of singing and dancing. And um, it was just a great time. I, I feel like we I think all, you had a good time, Tasha, on the party I did. bus. I did. I, I know how to bring a party, for sure. For we sure. The party bus is where uh, I found out that you can buy prepackaged jello shots. Like, I've only <laughs> known to make them myself. But prepackaged, where you pull the lid off, and there it is. I think Costco, you can buy them by the bulk now. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I've, I've had my eyes opened. But the Tasha didn't tell everyone, but the party bus, it has like a pole in the middle. It's called a stripper pole. I thought it was in case you were falling down. You could grab the pole like when you're on the subway. <laughs> no one was stripping, yes. No, everyone left their clothes on. Um, but that was really fun, too, um, that we got to dance and kind of have our own little dance floor. I feel like it was like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a super pole, too, because it was like a tube within a tube. So when you would grab onto it, it would spin you automatically. It was like, you didn't even have to work very hard. Spin assistance. Yes. Yes. But also, we had the bus for two hours, and but we didn't get on it until 45 minutes late because our dinner ran over. And so by the time our bus driver dropped us off at the Flamingo, where the RuPaul Drag Show show was, it was like... 8.57 and we were parked and I was like no 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 we have this for three more minutes and he was like get off yeah, he, he was ready to be done with us that was Bruce he was he was done with us Bruce the bus driver yes I, w- I was thinking about us though I think we sang Wilson Phillips hold on twice in that hour and 15 minutes and I decided that we should do one of those montage videos in our oh, office yes. where we like sing into the camera and we like do a chord a chord Choreographed dance. I think that would be oh. fun. I I can't dance. I can't well, me either. either. I'm having like well, I'll nightmares. do some. Well, I'll do some of Tracy's Jello shots, and then we'll all be excellent dancers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, can, all the things you can picture on the podcast when we're not doing a video podcast. Right. I think that that was the n- most popular song of all the songs that we lip synced, karaoke, screamed, shouted, whatever you want to call what we were doing. Yes. Susan, what was your favorite part in Vegas? Um, my favorite part, I guess it wasn't like a thing. It was like the uh, opportunity to hang out with people in a different way. You know, we don't we don't always get to socialize as a whole group. Um, you know, sometimes there's people that go to lunch or whatever together, but you know, just having everyone together and doing, you know, fun things that weren't work related was really great to have those experiences. Like going to the pool and eating lunch and going to the bar and all that. I know you really liked the waterfall in the Lazy River. <laughs> uh, the the waterfall could have been really cool, but it, you know, it was one of those experiences, like the first time I went under the waterfall, all of my sunscreen went directly in my eyes. Oh no. And I wear contacts, so I think it was like sucked onto my contacts. And then the whole way around the, the Lazy River, the next loop, I was like, my eyes are burning and I'm trying to wipe, a, you know, wiping your eyes in the pool doesn't do any good. Then you get back to the waterfall again and you're like, well, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> The waterfall poundage of the water hitting you was pretty hard. It was. It, it was It was a tra- trauma-inducing experience. It was a little excessive. Yeah, for a lazy river. It no, was definitely not right. lazy. Not very lazy. 
All right, so to the topic today, estate planning as it relates to gray divorce, um, super important. And Tasha is our resident expert in estate planning. So this topic is really narrowed to those folks that have been married for long term and all of the unique things that can happen for estate planning. So thinking, you know, people who are 50, 55, 60 plus years old who are getting divorced and then what is their estate plan gonna look like once they're divorced? Sure, so I think um, one of the initial questions that we're gonna ask as we are going through the divorce process, either where you're finalizing the divorce or maybe you've already been divorced, um, the question is gonna be what do you currently have in place for an estate plan? When we talk about an estate plan, that's going to be things like a will, a power of attorney, a trust, those types of documents. Because once we know what you currently have, then we can look at, are these documents that need to be modified? Can we still utilize some of them or do they need to be revoked and you know reinstituted? So that's kind of the first question that we're going to talk about. And um, if you don't yet have an estate plan despite being almost 60 plus, then now's the time to get one and we won't judge you. <laughs> exactly. But we'll it's wonder why you don't have one. And and Tasha, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's never too late to have an estate plan, right? There's never a you know point of no return. Until you are deceased, correct. <laughs> correct. That yes. is the point of no return. I got right. that one right. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Most of the time, you know, the things that we're going to be doing and signing are things that we need to have in place before tragedy happens. Either a situation where the person can no longer make decisions for themselves. We typically call that incapacitated. Or obviously, if someone is deceased or decapacitated also, that works. Incapacitated or decapacitated. I think it's decapitated. 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 Which means deceased. (laughs) Correct. All of the above. Funny story, really quick. My child asked me how long you live after your head's cut off. (laughs) What was your answer, Susan? What was the context? You know, as kids get older, they start learning more about their body and they start having these really interesting thoughts. Like, you know, and they, they know, like, people can live without their arm or their leg or a lung and so (laughs) and maybe your head but how long (laughs) there's probably a fair amount of people we could say are currently walking around without their heads yeah and I think he has these thoughts in his head and then he says them out loud and it's like oh yeah well there are there is chickens you can cut chickens heads off and they run around let's do a science experiment jonathan yeah you know the saying running around like a chicken with your head cut off let's see what happens start the timer (laughs) chop i don't think we're gonna do that at my house so what was your answer i said i don't think you can live at all without your head because your brain and your spinal cord would be gone and i think immediately he got it he was like oh yeah so it did, it wasn't really a conversation after that. I suppose in the world of parenting, if we could get all easy questions like that, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Okay, sorry, interrupted. Back on track. That was a good interruption. De- decapacitated. Right. So right. we don't want anyone to be decapacitated when they're writing their will. 
correct. So the, the time to be making decisions about these these things, whether it's a power of attorney or a will, is when we're not faced with tragedy. We're not dealing with kind of these, you know, sad situations where we can have a clear head and we can talk about what's most important and and what we need to do to make sure that your plan is in place moving forward. A clear head that's attached to your body. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So would you advise someone who is going through divorce that's a little older, gray, to maybe start talking about that estate plan before their divorce is final? I would say that it should be a topic of conversation as as part of the divorce. As an example, I've been involved in several cases within this office where a couple who have been married for what I would consider a significant amount of time and have now made the decision to separate, a lot of times they have estate plans in place that include things like trusts or beneficiary designations, powers of attorney, and so part of that process in the divorce is looking at, okay, what assets are in this trust? Because typically between married persons, we're talking about a joint trust. Mm -hmm. So if there are assets that are in this trust, then we have to look at getting the assets out of the trust. When I say assets, I mean things like um, a house or a bank account or you know a brokerage account, all kinds of different assets that could be in the trust. And so part of that divorce process then is we make sure that we're deeding or transferring those assets out of the trust and then we actually will sign a revocation or termination of that trust document. So there isn't a question later on of whether or not we're having to fund this trust or does it exist, that type of thing. And does that have to take place during the divorce or is that after the divorce where that those assets would be moved from that trust? I think technically it could be done in either case, but from what I have experienced, and I'm sure the two of you could attest to as well, in situations where you have divorcing parties, a lot of times it's better to get everything kind of wrapped up and squared away at the time that we're doing it, because once the people are separated, the divorce is final, they're probably in some respects ready to kind of be done with each other. And so if we can get a lot of that paperwork done while everybody's at the table, it's going to make things a lot more easier further yes. down the road. They can move on. I'm just looking at Tasha's microphone and I'm way, it's falling. <laughs> she got the one that doesn't like to stay pointed up. So I was just waiting for it to fall. <laughs> Good thing I'm short. I'll just keep moving my chair down. Just keep scrunching down. It likes to just go like limp and fall. She's sitting on the floor by the end of the podcast. <laughs> right? She's upside down doing a handstand. I'm as long as you're talking the into the microphone, it'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I I wonder how long I could do a handstand. I don't even know if I could hold it for five seconds. Office, oh, I can't. Office Olympics challenge accepted. Um, well, and actually, speaking of you know wrapping things up, I had an interesting case recently where we had spouses who were divorced through the district court, and part of the order was that they were going to sell their house that was owned owned in joint tenancy. Well, fast forward thirty years. They were still living together and never sold the house. They got divorced in 1991. Correct. And fast forward to now, and one of the spouses passed away. And so then the question is... But they're no longer spouses. Correct. That is correct. They're ex-spouses. So the divorce decree is final. They are no longer husband and wife. 
but they are still cohabitating. And despite the fact that the divorce decree says, hey, we're going to sell this house and then we're going to split the money, nothing happened for 30 years until somebody died. So now we are dealing with more people involved because then you have the estate on the side of the person who died, who then that brings in children or other heirs. And then the question is, okay, we're going to sell the house. What what value do we use? And do we have to consider other contributions that were made to the house? And it ended up being somewhat of a litigious situation, you know, where you had to go to court and we had to talk to a judge and all those types of things. So Asha loves going to court. Yes, that's my favorite. <laughs> I'm full of sarcasm today. So, you know, the idea being that the more things we can button up, clean up at the time that the divorce is happening, I think the better off people are going to be. Um, you know, there is actually a statute in Nebraska that's somewhat on point that talks about in a situation where you have a divorce, if nothing is changed post-divorce, this statute will will allow an estate to skip over a former spouse. So as an example, because that kind of sounds confusing. As an example, if I have in my life insurance policy that my husband is my beneficiary and then we get divorced and I don't change that beneficiary designation, the statute in Nebraska will cancel that beneficiary designation. So my former spouse will not get the money. Hmm. So it would then go to a contingent beneficiary if I have one. If I don't have a contingent person listed to receive the money, then it would pay to my estate. And so Nebraska and Iowa both have that statute. What's interesting is that Iowa's, they put like a clause on it, so it only applies to divorces after a certain date. Nebraska's statute is fairly new, and but it doesn't have one of those clauses. So the, the courts have been applying it to divorces, you know, for many years prior to now. Is it called like the forgetful person statute? We're gonna protect the person who forgot to change their beneficiary. Or their lawyer never like told them about it as a post-decree task. Yeah, or they never even told their lawyer they had a life insurance policy because that 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 never happens. Right. I think it's important though to note that in some divorces we oftentimes will require one parent to keep a life insurance policy in place and name their ex-spouse for purposes of covering um, potential child support or alimony after they die. So in that situation, that would be okay, right? The decree would specify that this person needs to remain a beneficiary as an ex-spouse, and so it wouldn't forget them, right? Correct, and I would, you know, I'm kind of a belt and suspenders kind of person to where if I'm the one of the attorneys in that case, I'm telling the people, once the decree is issued, you should re-sign a beneficiary designation form so that oh, the date on the beneficiary idea. form is after the decree, because then the statute wouldn't apply. So really we're telling uh, the opposing party to sign a new beneficiary form who probably doesn't really want to maintain their ex-spouse as a beneficiary. If we represent the recipient, correct. Right. If we represent the person who's paying, then we would say, you know, you probably should do this. I mean, the, the, re the result, if you don't, is that there's potentially more court time and nobody wants that typically, right? Especially after someone's passed away. Correct. Well, the dead person doesn't care. That's true. The decapacitated person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or 
decapitated. Well, we don't know. Maybe they do care. Sure, right. <laughs> yeah, people do care. That's why they do a will, for sure. Because they don't want their No, family. I mean they care after they're dead. Oh, well, for how long, Jonathan? <laughs> so, the, 13 seconds. The, the other thing to kind of think about, too, especially within the context of our topic today, where we're talking about gray divorces, a lot of times what I will see in situations where we have persons who are married for a long time and then separate, it puts a lot more onus, I guess, on adult children, right? So under the probate code, if somebody passes away or becomes incapacitated, then typically the first person who has the right to step up and take care of things is going to be a spouse. But if you are now, you know, so you've been married for 20, 30 plus years, your plan has always been to be together and and do things together and you've built this life together. And now that plan has changed. And part of the result of that is that your adult children, if you assuming you have adult children, are going to be stepping into that role. Because if you don't have a spouse, then the next person with priority to make decisions for you if you're incapacitated or to handle your estate if you don't have a will, naming somebody else, are your adult children. So then the question is, if you have more than one child, is there one that you would prefer to be making those choices there usually is that sort of thing (laughs) so and listeners know that my parents got divorced after almost 40 years of marriage so i can speak from personal experience that um you know they're they are no longer each other's power of attorneys and personal representatives so my brother and i will get to do all of those things and i think that's really scary as an adult child too that you know, at some point we may have to make those decisions, but it's good that, you know, after their divorce happened, they had all of those things put into place where I think oftentimes um, people, again, who get divorced after a long-term marriage may decide, I need to take a break from all this planning, and then they sometimes forget to go back to their estate planning, and that's really important. And I think, to you know, to your point, Tracy, Um, something made me think of, you know, as an example for your parents, when you're, when you're married and you've been married for so long, typically spouses are going to know what each other has in terms of, you know, bank accounts, investment accounts, life insurance, skeletons in the closet, all those types of things. (laughs) Then when you get in a situation where you have your parent and they pass away and now as an adult child, you have to figure out what assets mom or dad had. And a lot of times clients will come to me and they'll say, I have no idea what my dad had. I have no idea what assets my mother had. And I think not to mention, you know, probably during a long-term marriage, you have had conversations about what you want to happen to your body after you die and things like that, that maybe you don't have or hadn't had a chance to have those conversations with your parents. And you're now in the situation of having to plan a funeral. So is it true that all those things can go into a will? Or where, where would someone put their plans for their funeral? Yes, so I typically do include information in a will about specific burial or cremation, organ donation, if they have a plot that they have purchased. Or I've had clients want me to put in their will that they want to be buried. There's this new thing now you can do, maybe it's not new, new to me, where you can send in your ashes and they make it into a, a seed that grows a tree. So you can become a tree in your next life. That's what I want. Right? So there's all different mm. kinds of things that, that are available for people now that, you know, if they have specific wishes, you know, religious wishes, if they have those or, 
you know, anything like that where we can put it in a will. The other plan too, or thought that is helpful for people, you can contact a funeral home and do a prepaid funeral plan. So they don't like to do that. Well, funeral homes don't like to do it because <laughs> Why? I had a case because one they time, like to raise their prices. Yes, oh. I had a case one time where where a lady had done a prepaid burial plan, seriously, like thirty years before yeah. she died, and so they find this contract, and her daughter brings it into me, and she's like, "Well, is this enforceable?" They're telling me that they don't have to follow this, and I said, "It absolutely is enforceable." So they got a funeral that probably would have cost like eight grand for like twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. They don't like to do those, but I mean, maybe some stuff you could leave open in terms of like, you know, the lunch and whatever. But in terms of your basic plans of like, do I want to be buried or cremated and where I want to be buried and, you know, those types of things, you can have some of that pre planned. Tracy wants to be buried at sea. Yes. I do want, I would like to become a tree and specifically an aspen. Um, Do you know what the largest organism is in the? world i just gave it away yeah it's an aspen tree and it's because they become other trees and the largest organism of aspen trees is in utah somewhere and it's like it's dying thousands of acres i heard it's dying because because we you just totally ruined my well everyone go out and donate money to save the aspens and quit littering how's that (laughs) okay (laughs) and recycle me feel better or like when you die become an aspen tree because then well, aspens are cool too because you never just see one because they are all connected. So if one end of it, mm-hmm. you know, they say depending on which part of the organism gets of the living grove or whatever they call it gets injured, it can survive, but depend it can't a certain percentage of it has to stay alive. So if you want a lot of trees, plant one aspen and you'll get more. Yeah. Very cool. So I'll become a tree and then, yeah, out to sea would be nice too. Half and half. Sure. Half a tree. <gasps> That's a cool idea. Yeah. Havesies. Hmm. I, and I said, I said sea because you like to scuba dive. Yeah. Yes. When we, when we lost Maya and we put some of her ashes into a river, it was really kind of nice to like watch them float down the river and, you know, you could see them for a long time. So you all could do that. I mean, it won't be for a while, but. Well, that's that's what I always tell clients. You know, our plan is to live forever, but when that doesn't work out, you know, we've got to have kind of a plan B, so. I think, I wonder, I wonder about this a lot. You know, people who who get to be elderly and, you know, one of my friends told me the other day that her mom kept a list of all her friends and family that died each year, like in her journal. and. I wonder if you do get to a point where you're like, I I don't want to live forever. I think you, I think yeah. you do. You get to that yeah. point um, because you, you you your body starts shutting down. And this gal said, and none of your friends are alive yeah. anymore. So yeah, yeah, it's not as much fun. Like there's no Wilson Phillips happening when you're well. There can be <laughs> in the nursing <laughs> you need home. Someone to play it. <laughs> so. Okay, talk about Social Security and how it relates to estate planning and gray divorce, because I think that can be a really important piece of estate planning. So in terms of Social Security benefits, if if you are eligible for Social Security benefits and you are divorced, then at the time that you're eligible, Social Security makes a determination of which amount is higher between you and your ex-spouse. And so even if you are not married, you can still be entitled to the higher benefit 
depending on which spouse had a higher earning record. So those funds are still available even if you are divorced. You know, in terms of kind of future planning and looking at being on a fixed income, what amounts are you going to be receiving? And Social Security is pretty good about, you know, if you're willing to wait in line on the phone to ask questions Mm. about that and kind of understanding what, you know, what amount you would be receiving, that sort of thing. And on our first part of gray divorce, we talked a little bit about a case that Susan had in um, a long-term marriage. They had owned several rental properties and had that as a business. And they wanted to continue doing that together. So I would consider that part of like an estate plan, you know, for them after the divorce. Is that important to look at any LLCs that you've created or what's happening at the Secretary of State too? Absolutely, because once you are divorced under the probate code, which is what governs when somebody passes away, your your rights change. If you go from being a spouse to being not a spouse, you know, under the statute, that basically means you're just a friend. You you go from being a tier zero beneficiary where you're a spouse, you get certain rights and you pay no tax, to a tier three beneficiary where you're paying 18% tax on anything you would receive. Doesn't matter if you're friends with benefits either. Correct, <laughs> correct. That's not an IRS tax bracket designation. Qualification. It should be. <laughs> mm. Wonder what the proof would have to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully nothing demonstrative, only an affidavit. <laughs> um, so you, you, you know, your rights change under the statute when you become a non-spouse. And so then looking at what do the transfers look like if one of you passes away, you're no longer married, what happens to those assets, what is the plan, and you're gonna have to collaborate somewhat between the, you know, the two ex-spouses to figure out what makes the most sense tax-wise, what makes the most sense for purposes of what your wishes are, you know, that type of thing. It would be a, a very important topic to talk about with an estate planning attorney if that was the plan, to continue to maintain some joint or you know, commingled assets post-divorce. Right. So all of those things are really important to think about when you are facing divorce, considering divorce, and it's okay to speak with an estate planning attorney, maybe even before you speak to a divorce attorney. I think the, the one thing that we reiterate all the time is speaking to an attorney creates a confidential relationship. And so you can start planning those conversations before you even talk to your spouse. About divorce. Yeah, or about anything. Dinner. (laughs) You can talk to a lawyer. So the takeaway is, you know, start thinking about estate planning early, whether that's before you file for divorce, in the middle of divorce, um, as a gray divorcee, that estate planning is really, really important because you're going from having had a plan to retire together to now your new independent goals, which can include so many different wild ideas that you want to do um, and that will typically cause your estate plan to just be sort of upended. And if you didn't have an estate plan, it's okay. We're not going to judge you. You can start after your divorce. But we're still going to wonder why you don't have one. (laughs) So estate planning as gray divorce, um, talk to a lawyer. That's our takeaway. Super easy. Thanks for listening. On the next podcast, we'll talk about prenuptial agreements as they relate to gray divorce. 
Yay, I can't wait. Adios. See you then. Wait, what's goodbye in German? Uh, you just say guten tag again. No, I don't know. You could say ciao, but that's not German. What's that? Italian. Italian. Okay, ciao. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. And be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Rep Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.